Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The force will be with you. Always. everyone welcome back to another episode of star wars alliance your home on the geek ultimate alliance podcast network for any and all things star wars i'm your host as always katie joining me like the usual in with llama pillows in the background it's play i said don't mind the llama pillows that doesn't mean draw attention to the llama pillows okay you have to be more specific with my pregnancy brain right now okay you know with with the new setup, this is kind of like my only option. Now, yeah. the last time we recorded, I was lucky enough to have the camera facing just the wall. So that way, that would be my backdrop. But when Abby told me that I could use the TV as a monitor, I was like, <laughs> I kind of have to now. So now, if you, everybody who is live on YouTube with us can see, the camera is above me. It's because it's on top of this giant freaking 55-inch TV. And I have my two other monitors on the side. But I'm living the dream right now. 
uh, I know my wife hates me every <laughs> single night now because I will probably be playing a game or on this computer for way too long than I should be. But uh, we are not alone today. Um, we have yes. a very good discussion uh, coming towards our way with some news topics that I'm very interested to hear some scuttlebutt about because I know there will be scuttlebutt about it. Um, and then, of course, our main topic being the Mortis Gods arc in Clone Wars. But uh, with us today is Chris. Chris, Hello. how are you doing today? Oh, pretty good. I mean, I don't have the llama set up, but <laughs> <laughs> pretty cool anyway. But be here. Uh, I, I'm I'm so glad that you're here. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Because uh, I, I think it's going to have, I think there's going to be a little, uh, I feel like I'm going to have to defend my, my stance on some of the news more so than you guys will be. <laughs> um, but it, it's it's going to be a fun discussion. Before For we move sure. on though, uh, we always promote this at the very end of the episode and I want to promote it at the very beginning of the episode so people can actually hear because I know we have long conversations and people get tired of us talking but it's uh, the the Star Wars hotline and our Gmail so that way we can get some uh, some uh, 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 show mail here on the show. Of course, we have the Star Wars Alliance hotline, which is 830-538-4828. You guys can call or text that at any time. Uh, if you call, I will probably not answer, but it's only because I want you guys to leave a voicemail so that way we can listen to it here on the show. Uh, they are all vexed, so... Don't say anything that you don't want to be put out there into the internet because the internet is forever. Um, and just put your uh, Twitter username and everything like that. Don't put too much information out there, just you know, to not dox yourself. So we just want your social security numbers. All. <laughs> and you know, the last four digits of your social uh, uh, credit card number and the CV code at the very back of that. <laughs> Tell us about uh, your first pet, maybe where you grew up. <laughs> uh, you know, the usual. Um, but then we also have the Star Wars Alliance Gmail, which is, of course, Star Wars Alliance. There is no A in the wars, so that's S-T-A-R-W-R-S-A-L-L-I-A-N-C-E at gmail.com. Um so if you guys have any opinions about any of the stuff that we talk about today, uh, go ahead and share them with us. We would love to hear about it and talk about it here on the show. Um, yes. But... Um, the last thing I want to plug is Chris is going to be talking about Fate of the Jedi over at Minoc Manor. He's going to be doing reviews there. Uh, it was a big topic when this Mortis arc first came out those connections between fate of the Jedi and clone wars, which obviously as we all know and love did not end up happening, but there's still a lot of similar parallels, I think in some of the story like points. So mm -hmm. very interested to like, see what you pulled Chris. Cause I haven't read fate of the Jedi in quite some time. Uh, but I oh. do remember like the most, like some significant points. So I'll just say now that there was a lot that I didn't remember that I was like, hmm, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, this is very late legends, but we, we can't get into that now. <laughs> it was a wild time for sure. Um, but yes, uh, we are going to be talking about 
the news first and we just gotta get this out of the way because y'all know how i feel about this um but like we gotta get it done so that there can be a more positive outlook going towards the end of the show we gotta get the negatives out of the way so um an announcement was made uh in a vanity fair interview uh like a it was a late interview because they couldn't really promote ahsoka during the strike so we're getting a lot of promotion now on the back end. Uh, and Dave Filoni is now the CCO of Lucasfilm and will have a more significant role in the development of Star Wars projects. I hate this. <laughs> With <laughs> passion. <laughs> um, I have always said that uh, they need to have a person for like the original trilogy time frame, the sequel trilogy time frame, hmm. and the prequel trilogy time frame. Somebody who can manage story elements because unlike the MCU where everything's happening in like the span of years, the Skywalker saga alone takes place over 90 years. And like that's a lot of information for one person to be in charge of. I think and now you can agree or disagree with me on this, but Dave Filoni has already proven that he doesn't remember or care about plot points that he's already created years previously. So to me, like this is a really dangerous decision for Star Wars to make um, because we're going to, I feel like this means we're going to see a lot more stepping on of different projects. We're going to see a lot more like, oh, the Mandalorian is now going to step on X and Y and Z. Oh, the Acolyte is not, not the Acolyte in particular, but like the Acolyte season two could change plot points for the Phantom Menace because now Dave Filoni has changed his mind about how things were supposed to go in the Phantom Menace. And so he wants to like rewrite the perspective on how things happen. So this is my perspective. I, like I don't like it. What do you? What Chris? What do you think? I there's a couple of things that I like keep in mind when I think about this decision. Um, can I just first talk about the fact? I know it's a dollar paywall, but I hated that that article is paywalled. Like I hate it so much. I had I... to have an unnamed source um, screenshot it and send it to me via email <laughs> <laughs> on principle. <laughs> yeah, Vanity Affairs pieces um the way you can get around that by the way if anybody's interested and now don't get me wrong i like supporting journalists and everything but the fact that vanity fair always seems to have like the really hot star wars stuff i'm just mm -hmm. done with it like you're always locking stuff behind a paywall i already give disney enough of my money like i don't oh, need really? to give it more <laughs> so uh the way you can get around it because like i i haven't logged onto it in my google chrome but if you log onto it with private you can get around. Oh, good yeah. to know. Can read the whole article instead of just downloading the pieces. Um, I, I think it's about. Kind of feels like it's about time. I have no ill will towards like Kathleen Kennedy, but it seems like that she was doing a job that should have been handed to someone else, just as like a, pre like from the president's view. Like it seemed like she was doing this role that like the MCU had Feige for, for good or for ill. Like, it seems like everyone else has had this for a little bit. So I think yeah. it's time. Now, I also remember that, like, Charles Soule has just been put up as, like, the head of publishing in a similar role. 
So I feel... Oh, has he? Yeah, this was a little bit ago. So there's someone else over that. I think... Okay, let me just say this. To your point, I am. if anyone gets annoyed when the canon stuff is overridden just for the sake of kicks and giggles, I'm, I'm the first one to complain about it. Like, Siege of Mandalore, I think... Right, it changed Ahsoka's lightsaber colors for season seven from the novel, and even yeah. someone believed that. I was like, "Well, you already knew that. You already had that." So, like, I'm with you. The one thing that I'm kind of like thinking about is the the saving grace of this is there's so little in the time zone that Floney wants to work in that I almost don't feel like I'm too worried. Not because of him, but because of the roadblocks that have been put up to prevent this already. Like, I don't know if either of you remember, like, IDW had this, like, Grogu one-shot that they were going to do before they lost the license. This was around the time yes. of... Yeah, yeah, around Adam Christopher's novel yeah. with the yeah. visual dictionary, and they just canned it all. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, yeah. we can't we can't worry about what he's going <laughs> to do. So, I don't know. But the one, the one thing he did say in the article, and I think, I hope he sticks to it, is when he just says, I'm not here to, like, stick in, I'm not here to, like, stick my perspective in, I'm hoping to help them make their stories. I really hope that that's the case because I feel like, I feel like at times there's like the world where the clone wars is the biggest event that happened in the galaxy and the ones where the original trilogy were the biggest events. And it's, is it Filoni making it or is it anyone else? So I, yeah. I, I know how you're feeling. It, like, I think for me, it's the biggest thing about him, especially when he handed the plot points to E.K. Johnston for the Siege of Mandalore. And literally what it was like five years because it came out in 2020. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Ahsoka novel was like 2015, 2016. So five years and he goes, nah, I'd rather change this. And like to the lightsaber point, like I get it when he explains it behind the scenes, like, oh, Anakin fixed them. So it's Mm -hmm. Anakin's perspective on them but he didn't explain that in the show like so what does it matter to the viewer to the general audience viewer because nobody's gonna pay that general audience viewer isn't going to listen to those interviews or read those interviews like we do yeah so that stuff really bugs me i also think they had more influence in obi-wan kenobi because i remember seeing uh that kathleen kennedy wanted deborah chow to be to have favreau and filoni consult Mm. on the kenobi show well that makes sense now yeah Yeah. (laughs) so like and i feel like there's like bright spots where like i saw like oh this is the deborah child we got in the mandalorian but then there was other spots where it was like wow this is mm, i don't know about this Mm. so yeah that's where i'm at clay how do you feel because i know you're probably the more positive one (laughs) I am a little bit more positive on it, but I do like the the first thing you said, Katie, with this whole thing about, like, it would have been smarter to have three people. Because, I mean, for me, I'm always on the boat of two heads are better than one. Mm-hmm. If you have more than one person juggling something as large as the Star Wars universe, it's always better. I said this way before uh, James Gunn and Peter Safran were both. Uh, headed of DC Studios. I thought that was a great idea. And I think the same thing needs to happen to Star Wars. Although, for me, I personally think, and I I know a lot of people use this argument, but I think it is a well-built argument until, uh, you know, Chris, you said it, uh, I forgot the exact wording, but 
the fact that there are moments when Filoni does put his nerd hat on a little too hard and a little too tight and just kind of just drills you <laughs> with all of everything. Um, and we're just like, okay, we get it. Let's let's move on from here. I can see why that can be the bad thing. I mm-hmm. totally understand. But I do like this idea of Filoni has always been the George Lucas guy, the 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 apprentice too, you know, and he is, and we also know that there are people with like uh universal canon bibles or whatever you want to call them with Star Wars, and so it's not all on Filoni, mm-hmm. he's just the one that gets to tear out or add pages to that Bible. Um, and so with him having this new title. I do like it because, okay, it's one of us, one mm-hmm. of us. Um, and that's also why a lot of people don't like it is because kind of in the same vein as all of the hubbub over at DC with like, oh, why are you letting fans choose your castings and all of this stuff? And James mm-hmm. Gunn, you know, just recently uh, kind of gave his reasoning on why he looks at fan casting sometimes. Baloney doesn't like it's still a job he's not just gonna throw everything out there and just be like ah, i'm a nerd i can do whatever i want mm-hmm. like it, it, it still needs to be successful otherwise he doesn't have a job um whether we like it or not yeah um as far as what we deem is successful or not um but i i think i am a little bit more positive on this because i'm willing to give him more chances although we have had our uh differences katie with how we look at like the ending of mandalorian season three like Mm -hmm. was that the greatest thing ever and it doesn't really push us smoothly onto the future of what ever the mandoverse has for us right Mm -hmm. so i i i'm hoping for the best but i can consider the worst like i can i can see what everybody else is like God damn it, why does this keep happening to us? You know, type of thing. I can see why you guys think like that. But I'm just com- compared to how I used to be with DC about how like I was always doom and gloom, I'm allowing myself to look at the brighter side of things at Star Wars. There's even something there though. I think there's something that is the more that I read, the more that I like interact with Star Wars that's not felony. I'm kind of feeling like I'm just gonna be broad, I'm gonna paint a broad picture. A lot of people are getting more and more afraid to take risks that Filoni is mm-hmm. much more willing to take. And, I mean, we're going to talk about the biggest one in a few minutes here. But mm-hmm. I I do like having someone like him who can take these big swings. I think you read a lot of, like, recent Star Wars stuff and you're like, man, this just kind of feels like any IP with a Star Wars skin over it. Mm-hmm. I need yeah. some more, like, unique. And that's at least, that's something that he can give big time. And to be fair, too, the Mandoverse seems to be all that they care about right now. I mean, there's the Acolyte, sure. Yeah. But like that feels like a that feels like the outlier. So if Filoni yeah. wants to head up what's happening between nine to twelve ABY, and that's like it right now, more power to him. <laughs> like maybe if he well, gets more into so the High Republic, I, we'll I, talk. I do think the yeah. Acolyte is kind of like the 
Mandalorian in the sense of like, hey, this is what's probably going to start something. Mm-hmm. So Please. let's see how this goes, type of thing. That's yeah. what we, me and Katie have been really hoping that's the way it goes. Um, but yeah, I, I am totally down with as long as honestly, if we get more animation from Star Wars, Please. like yes. I need I need something between freaking nine and ten. Like that's what I need. Uh, oh, like, oh yeah. There's just so much space there. The that... movie? No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, I need some Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. Yeah, sorry. Just yeah. I sort of I have not sugar. had. I haven't had a lot of sugar today, so <laughs> that's why. Like up north, sweet tea is not a thing, so we yes. had to like make it our own. <laughs> so and it's not strong enough, so. Sorry, it's just. So um, I'll, I'll send you my South Carolina recipe. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I need, I need an animation project between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think Anything. that if if you do something that will eventually be like multiple seasons, that'll hold a lot of fans over to be like, okay. He's got us, you know, he'll do exactly what he did in Clone Wars and blah, blah, blah. And then it gives you more time to plan for other things in the future. You know, me and Katie really hope that's more High Republic stuff. But if it's not, then, you know, it it, it is what it is. But that's mm-hmm. what I'm really hoping for. I think my final thing with, like, the Dave Filoni stuff is, like, looking at the potential for James Mangold movie. Mm-hmm. Um, like... What he has for that is like the 25,000 years in the past. If we go like Dawn of the Jedi and the Void time frame, 25,000 years in the past, like, not like there's going to be very little that connects to the Jedi, the first Jedi from then to the Jedi in the prequel trilogy. And my worry is, is that we're gonna get Mangold is gonna present his script or his thought process for it. And Filoni's going to be like, no, that doesn't connect properly. No, that doesn't connect properly. Like, I think if you go that far in the past, like, nothing needs to connect. Like, you can have one or two Easter eggs, but, like, let it be there on its own kind of thing. Yeah. But I'm also hoping, and I just want to say thank you, Andrew, for being here in the chat. Um with your with your thought process of Baloney being like, oh, that doesn't connect, that doesn't connect, that will be his job. And what I hope will be is not necessarily like the, you know, him just bringing down the hammer and, and, and chopping everything down, saying no, 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 no. Instead saying, hey, let's slow this down. We want to make this flow a little bit better and work with Mangold and anybody in the future that he works with. That's, that's what we as, as you know, people who follow these things would hope for because then you have things like the relationship between WB and Snyder saying, no, we don't like that. And then completely severed ties. And then it just gets super disgusting and toxic. And that's not what we need. I mean, we have plenty of toxicity in the star Wars fandom. We don't need any of that. From the actual leaders. And I do think that he is going to be that person to say, hey, that doesn't flow or hey, that doesn't make sense. And in some capacity, it does worry me because 
you're right. Mangold could have a completely new way of thinking when it comes to the first Jedi. And it could be really, really cool. And we may never get to see that because of what Filoni has in mind. But we do have to just leave it up to them and trust them and saying, okay, they're going to figure this out and hopefully agree on whatever changes they have to make or, you know, hopefully agree on things that like, hey, this can definitely stick because it connects to this or it connects to that. And I think to that point, um, I'm going to take a pot shot at Duel of the Fates, who isn't in the room to defend itself. <laughs> but like, if you've ever read that, I think the ending is the most complete misunderstanding of the Force and of balance and of light and darkness you could have written on an official Star Wars script. And I'm so happy because of that alone, it was canned. So there might be an extent to which... Because I do think Filoni gets like the Force right. He gets Star Wars right a lot of time. Like how he tells those stories and how he like directs them and how he like inserts his OCs into everything is a different story. But like when you just hear him talk about Star Wars, I'm like, yes, this is good. This is correct. So if Mangold comes in and says, mine is all about dark Jedi who use the Force, the darkness, and there's no repercussions. I want, I want Filoni to go, no, 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 that's not it. <laughs> like, yeah. If he's wrong, I want Filoni to be there to say, like, oh, yeah. ooh, this wasn't, ooh. <laughs> if something as broad as that, yes. But if it's, like, you know, like, the jet, like, again, going back to Into the Void, because that's just, we read that last week, and that's fresh in my brain. Like, mm -hmm. if he has them go, well, the kyber crystal hasn't been found yet, and we want to bring in swords and just have, like, a sword instead of a lightsaber. Want that canned? Like, I feel like that's still, like, a weapon the Jedi mm -hmm. could use in that instance. And, but, like, yes, something is, like, the basic principles. Like, the dark side doesn't have any repercussions. Like, yes, I would want that canned. You're yeah. right. Like, in that case, yes. But, like, I don't want something as broad as, like, the weapon choice of the first Jedi. Oh, that doesn't line up. It needs to be a lightsaber. Like, that's just dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, but it's nice to have someone too that could be like, "Hey, I'm writing a story about people who made hyperspace technology and they use gates, and I'm calling them the computer tots." And Floating can be like, "Oh, <laughs> we have the Gree. You can use those." Like that's that's yeah. like the what I want. Yeah, yeah, and and to that point too, like also Katie, like the whole idea of like keeping the swords in or adding lightsabers. You know, unfortunately, it does. You do have to go back to the one argument that we always have on this podcast, which is the lightsaber problem within Star Wars. And so, like, I do think there could be a happy medium to where, like, okay, like, we can start with no sabers, but we have to finish with lightsabers, you know, something like that, possibly. And I know it might get a little iffy on like how the timeline works and everything else, mm -hmm. and how it might be a little too convenient to find a kyber crystal in that part of the timeline. But it's just like for me personally, I think that I'm too worried about the general audience not latching on to something because of the big bright lights and the pew pew and the zzz, you know, it's just like it people just kind of turned off their brains. I, I know. Like in the GUA, I'm the one who hates that phrase. Like, but you have to turn off your brain sometimes for these general audience members to just sit down and watch these popcorn flicks. Yeah. And Star Wars will always have an iconography problem. 
if you don't have yeah. some of the icons of Star Wars, yeah, you're probably not gonna may not connect. That's that's gonna be the biggest challenge for Mangold's movie, I think. I I would like to see it as like maybe he takes on Doctor Afra as like the body. Uh, like the main body where she can like play with Darth Vader and maybe she's searching for something for Darth Vader. <laughs> and then we go into the past to talk about the first Jedi. I think that would like archaeology just movie in Star Wars. Oh you, yeah. Dude. Oh my gosh. I hate framing stories these days. I think they take <laughs> stories or time away from the story I want, but if it's Dr. Aphra, I don't even care. I'm pretty many stories. <laughs> I'm really big into hating non-linear stories. It's just that's fair. Like, that's fair. Like even when I'm reading a comic, when like one page does something and then the very next panel says two like two hours early. I'm like, you could have just started just start with there. that. Yeah. <laughs> and then move forward. Why are we going back? I want to know yeah. what happens immediately after this. And, yeah, I, I absolutely hate non-linear stories. Um, <laughs> but is there anything else we want to add on the Filoni uh, job title news? Or moving no. forward, Katie, what do we have next on the list? All right. So uh, this is a Collider interview that they did with Daisy Ridley for the Marsh King's Daughter movie that she is in with Ben Mendelsohn. Um, and oh. she talks about the story for what we're calling episode 10 at this point. Um, and she also talks about the Ray and Ben or the Ray Lowe stories that have hit the New York Times bestsellers list. So uh, we're going to start with the New York Times bestsellers list stuff because that's the first question. So Steve Weintraub did uh, this interview with um, questions uh, and the editing done by Arizu. I think is how you pronounce her name. I'm terrible at that. I'm sorry. She's Arizu Amin on Twitter. Um, big Star Wars person. She does a lot with the geeky waffle and everything. Um, but Steve asked, I have a great team of editors at Collider and they wanted me to ask this question. Has anyone told you about how many New York Times bestsellers were inspired by Ray and Ben? And do you have a favorite? And Ridley said, I don't know a single answer to that question. New York Times bestsellers. And uh, Collider said, yeah, I haven't read any of these, but apparently they use the Ray and Ben dynamic and they have written books. And the women at Collider recommended the Love Hypothesis and the Hurricane Wars, which the Hurricane Wars is the most recent. Um, and the Love Hypothesis was probably one of the first Raylo books that was published, mm -hmm. I think. Um, and Ridley says, wow, I didn't know that. I mean, how many books are there on the New York Times bestsellers list? And, uh, Steve said, here's the thing. I don't actually know the specifics, but it might be a special list for Ray and Ben. I don't a hundred percent know, but it means a lot to a lot of people is what I'm telling you. And Daisy said, okay, I fully thought you do. And I was like, oh my God, what's this number going to be? I mean, honestly, for anyone to just write a book is so impressive, let alone a New York Times bestseller, let alone something inspired by something I was a part of. That's very thrilling. So thank you if anyone's reading this. I think someone will read this and be very happy. And Daisy said, yeah. So thank you, whoever wrote The Love Hypothesis and The Hurricane Wars. Wow, fucking cool. <laughs> so real quick question, because... 
I am not in these circles whatsoever when it comes to the Rilo books and, and all of that. How many are legitimately on the New York's bestseller list? Is it I just w- those two? Wish he had that. Whoever asked, I wish they would have had that. That would have yeah. been like just to put it into perspective to be like, hey, like this one moment in this franchise, like created spawned. this many, like spawned this many books. Like that would have been cool. Because I know, I think Katie's looking. So I know there's, yes. I think Allie has four books right now. Yep. Like there's, I think three and then an anthology book. And I also uh, know. Yes. Okay. So I also know that there's another trilogy that seems like a Finpo trilogy. Or maybe a okay. I know so what that's you're talking already about. Seven. I, that's not on this list, but I did yeah. find a. So this is off of Goodreads. So somebody made top this list. Um, top ten. Raylo. And uh, this is just Raylo fanfics turned into <laughs> books, like published books. This is like um, 2019. I mean, they didn't kiss that long ago. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, the ones on here are The Love Hypothesis, We, and that's by Allie Hazelwood, um, if anybody's interested Mm -hmm. in that. We'd Know By Then, uh, Kirsten Bowling, The Hurricane Wars by Thea Guanzan, uh, You Again by Kate Goldbeck, and My Roommate is a Vampire by Jenna Levine are the top five on here. Allie has several more on this list. Um, I think it's a big trope that she's just got in her books now is that it's like kind of the Raylo um, thing. Uh, Julie Soto has a couple on here as well. But yeah. So those are like top five. There was 38 books on that list. Oh Holy mother of God. <laughs> well, that's not all New York bestsellers, but that's still yes. 40 books it's in the past. Still. Like, eight years. Like, like you said, like 2019. <laughs> I mean, at the earliest, you have Force Awakens, which yeah. was 15? Yeah, right? late or 16. 16. Yeah. 15. Eight years. That's insane. That's five books a year. Just on this. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here's a Raylo shelf on Goodreads, which has 262 books on it. Which oh. I'm assuming they just pulled stuff that was like enemies to love. Similar yeah. or or yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. If you were to so tell me like, oh, like... these were all inspired by their <laughs> very confusing relationship. Holy shit. No, I think the first list is probably the most reliable. And I just okay. looked up Raylo books for it okay. and it was the first thing that popped up but yeah um i, I do remember like a Raylo. holy cow right? um <laughs> uh, yeah i'm not a huge i'm not a Raylo person i did like the love hypothesis i thought it was a very good book um but like Raylo is not like my trope of choice i guess mm-hmm. in romance books um but yeah like i look at just Oh yeah, this was a Raylo, and I remember you. I you said Finn and like the Finn and Poe trilogy, and I remember that book. I don't remember the title, oh, but I like I just remember. It's like so many. I'm so impressed by everybody who does that. Seriously, I wonder if she's gonna go pick those up. Somebody I saw somebody on Twitter said, "I wonder if she texted Adam after the interview and was like, do you know what 
has happened from Star Wars? Like, do you know all these books? <laughs> That's so funny. I would not be surprised if Driver has read at least one. At least one. Like, just because he's the kind of person to verbally be like, no, I don't want to be any part of that. Yeah. And then secretly just be like, <laughs> these books. I can't believe no one, like, mailed them a copy or anything. <laughs> I know, right? Or maybe they did. They just don't see it. <laughs> Andrew said, wife, I bet he's thinking about other women. Me. Why do so many Raylo books exist? <laughs> they are bestsellers, man. Like, literally. Bestsellers. The I mean, tables more... at Barnes & Noble. Just devoted to these. To yeah. Allie. Just herself. Yeah. That's uh, insane. And, like, the Hurricane Wars. I think it's Thea's first book that she's published. And it's competing right now with Iron Flame, which Iron Flame is the sequel to Fourth Wing Sheesh. that like took the summer by storm. And to have Hurricane Wars compete with Iron Flame, like that's so Good work to me. <laughs> that's insane. That's awesome. All right. So the last part of uh, this interview is talking about uh, the question basically is, do you have any sort of update on your Star Wars movie? And are you over the moon that they announced something with you? Um, and so she said, Daisy said, I will tell you, Steve, when I saw you in Park City, which I don't know when that was, I had not been approached. I was asked some, not by you, but I was asked something when I was there. And strangely, people were asking me stuff. And I was like, no, I'm not doing another one. Then it all happened after I came back. It was such a nice reception. I was shitting myself before I went on stage because no one knew I was going to that. No one knew I was going to Celebration bar like Kathy Kennedy. And there were like a couple of other people. I was so nervous. OMG, it was such a wonderful reception. I'm very excited. The story is really cool. I'm waiting to read a script because obviously I, I, I don't have any other updates. It's not what I expected, but I'm very excited. So there is one more question that uh, they're asked, but I wanted to talk about this because everybody has kind of taken the last sentence of her answer. It's not what I expected, but I'm very excited. And kind of gone with the, oh, it's not what Daisy really expected. And she didn't say, like, they don't mention anything about the excited part. How do you mm -hmm. feel about, like, that sentence, guys? I just love all the memes that people have come up with this. Like I've seen uh, somehow Palpatine has returned again, again. <laughs> um, that has been hilarious to me. Like everybody's been freaking out about that. Um, it's, it's really a nothing burger. Like she's just excited about coming back to star Wars. And I really want her to be able to spread her wings. The last movie she did, I think Katie like scored like a 0. 0.5. Uh, the mind reading movie. Chaos Rise Rising. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's the last thing I heard Ridley doing. And so like, I'm glad she's coming back to Star Wars. Um, but like I. Sometimes I think about dying was her latest movie i think before the marsh king's daughter and that was a much better movie okay i'll need to go check it out um but you're right because even in the article they they have it bolded italicized i'm not it's not what i expected but i'm very excited mm -hmm. it, it 
like it's so bland and so <laughs> like broad it's just like okay clearly you can't say anything and we shouldn't get attached to this too much because again with the writer strike and the actor strike we don't know how different the Lucasfilm uh, projects lineup is going to change at all. Like there has been no news about that. I think the only thing we know, Katie, you posted an article, something that we've already known is the planned schedule for next year. Mm. So that doesn't have any of the movies on there clearly. So we don't know how, how much it affected that. So like anything that's coming out of these Mangold's movie, Ray's movie, like I'm kind of just being like, eh, we'll see. Like I'm kind of just keeping my expectations low, not really getting too excited over things because in the next three years, we, we could have something completely different at our, at our table, you know? And there's something to it too, that like, it's not that she read the script and went, holy crap, they used on Vong. She like, she, let's be honest, like, this is a related story, I promise. But I was at, um, I was at Ranger Stop a few weeks ago, listening to the Mighty Morphin cast talk about Power Rangers for the last 30 years. And as I listened, I was like, they don't follow this franchise. They don't watch any new episodes. They don't even know what happened to their own characters. Like, one of my favorite parts was when um, the voice of Rita Repulsa didn't remember she played another character in a different season. Yeah. Um, so when she played Mystic Mother, <laughs> she doesn't remember that, or didn't put the connection together. So when mm-hmm. Ra- when Daisy Ridley's like, I don't think about Star Wars much, and nothing's gonna be what she expected. I mean, she's an actor doing a job. It's I don't expect them to have all these ideas. So it's not what I expected. It could mean so many things between oh. I didn't expect them to give me another movie or. Oh, I didn't expect I was going to be 15 years older. I mean, there's so many things that she didn't expect because she's been thinking about Chaos Rising or, you know, she's been thinking about Tom Holland's thoughts or <laughs> that wig she had to wear and thinking about dying. So it's like, it's fine. I, you know, the only person that I really need to know has been thinking a lot about it is Mangled, is whoever's writing it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. 100%. And, uh, I, think, I was just going to say this real quick, Katie. Yeah. Like, I think people need to understand that, just like Chris said, when it comes to actors, a lot of them are just getting the job. Not everybody's going to be a uh, Henry Cavill who is yeah, like, could be so, lucky. so obsessed <laughs> with the source material on every project that he's working with, right? Not everybody at Lucasfilm is... Baloney. Like, they're not just going to just absorb everything Star Wars. Same thing with James Gunn. James Gunn was a huge DC fan before he landed this job. And so he knows this material. All of these actors that jump onto these projects with Star Wars, they're not just going to be like, hey, I'm going to spend the next 30 years collecting Star Wars comics, reading these books, and watching all of these <laughs> movies. It's just not going to happen. They might like one or two things. But it's mostly because their agent is like, hey, we were told to give you this material. Yeah. Go ahead and read it. Do this. Okay. You'll get a paycheck next week. You're good to go. Like, yeah. that's really all it is. This has Ray in it. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, all right. So the last question on here. Uh, I'm of the opinion. 
that the next Star Wars movie I'm hoping is going to be a trilogy. Do you know anything like that? Have they told you the storyline and you're like, oh, this is good. Uh, Daisy said, I know the storyline for one film. That's not to say that there's all that it there's that's not to say that that's all it is but that's what I was told about and I imagine it will be the next film I think I mean again I don't know post strikes and everything how quickly everything will start up again but yes so far I know the story of one film and I think people will be very excited all right y'all we are gonna hit our first ad break and we will be right back in three two one Andrew it is Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward, prohibited by law, 18 plus, terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Through here uh, in the <laughs> Sorry, chat said, the uh, <laughs> I heard this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Andrew said in the chat, I heard this frame movie might kick off the. Uh, another trilogy and i mean that's basically what they're coming at here in this question is like hey like is there going to be more like have you heard anything so with with her like of course you know being very broad with the statement of like oh i'm very excited about this what are your expectations for this new movie like are you expecting a trilogy are you expecting a hey let's do one and done and see what happens like what are you expecting I'm expecting, and I don't mean this the way it's going to initially sound, another A New Hope, where you write one movie, you, like, kill, but you don't kill Darth Vader, 
you like knock him off the screen. So maybe next movie he can come back. But I definitely feel like the the ten is a standalone, and then it may turn into eleven and twelve. But there's financially, I don't see them saying let's bank on a trilogy after Tross, after all of the declining. What seems to be, I mean, we don't know. So I, I, I somewhat agree with you. Um, because I mean, for one thing, I always go back to the quote that Kennedy had at celebration is she hyped up the fact that they're going back to theaters. They're really pumping it out. You know, they're really Mm -hmm. wanting to make everything feel like an event again, which can like, that's very scary terminology. Like, cause you have a lot of expectation with that. Yeah. But I do think that they do need these movies out in theaters again, because people all over the place, whether it be Twitter, Instagram, threads they're wanting this thing they're Mm -hmm. they're and i'm not saying that they're necessarily tired of the disney plus shows because we're loving mostly everything that they're putting out but here i do think i and and i'll go the same route as you i do think that they put this another new hope you know quote unquote Mm -hmm. out there see how well it does and of course if it ends up being another force awakens where their expectations are just blown out of the water mm-hmm. then yeah they're already starting to plan that that sequel like that for sure 100 percent. and but i think I, it's one of those ones where you do it like you call this new you call this one new jedi order if number mm-hmm. two comes out it's new jedi order colon fate of the jedi new <laughs> jedi order colon like you know like turn it into the sub franchise but like mm-hmm future proof it like okay i'm sorry but the thing that drives me nuts is i'm gonna have two a star wars stories dvds on my shelf and they're never gonna use that branding again yeah bring that back call it call it dawn of the jedi a star wars story call it new jedi order a star like but like future proof it this time i hate this like i don't want it to be a complete standalone if it is I I don't think it will be a complete standalone. I just think that it's I again, I am hopeful that they are smart enough and learning from their wrongs of the past and be like, okay, like this is what we did wrong here. Mm-hmm. This is where we did wrong there. So let's like you said, future proof it to make it be like, hey, this could be the end, but it couldn't be the end because of this. And so mm-hmm. that way, if there is success, you ride that train. And if there's not, you just let it go. You know, mm-hmm. you're just like, okay, let's move on. Let's wipe our hands of it. Let's move on to the next thing. Give it to the and books. That, give it to the comics. <laughs> well, and, yeah. and that's also why I think it's a very smart thing right now that they have something at the very beginning of the timeline and something at the very end of the timeline planned because if the thing at the very end of the timeline is not successful, but the thing at the very beginning of the timeline is successful, boom, you drop one and you keep going with the other, Yeah, you know? And there's just so much that people are going to kind of forget. Yeah. Like there's just so much Star Wars, even movies now, people are going to be like, oh, did I see that one? (laughs) (laughs) But Katie, what do you think? When it comes to this, as far as like, do you expect 
there because because Andrew did say in the chat, I heard this Ray movie will kick off another trilogy. Are you expecting there to be a trilogy, like a planned trilogy? Do you see Filoni and Kennedy having those meetings saying, hey, this is what's going to happen after this movie? Or is it? do you think it's more of the, hey, let's plan for this and see what happens and then move forward from there? I want it to be the latter. If you're going to plan a trilogy, then it needs to be announced as a trilogy like uh, Ryan Johnson's was and go, okay, they're getting a whole trilogy this movie was announced as a singular one. So my thought process is it's going to be like one and done kind of thing, but it might go into more in the future. Like we might see um, this is like, I don't know. <laughs> well, um, one, one possibility that I guess I never really uh, thought about until now. And it's something that Katie, you and I have talked about in the past and we've kind of like, held our ground on it being not such a great idea with the form, just with the format that Star Wars tells its stories. But what if this race story is the beginning of what will be like the MCU format of Star Wars? We all know how I feel about the MCU format. So <laughs> yeah, like it, 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 I still want you to vocalize it for the listeners and Chris, I want you to go out, um, but Katie, you first. I I I don't think I would necessarily mind it as long as they stuck to, like, I guess maybe, because I like that we're experimenting in different areas. Like, Andor, we're getting pre-original trilogy. I like Mandoverses here. I like that we've got Young Jedi Adventures and the Acolyte. So I don't want it to go, like, oh, this is all we're going to focus on, if that makes sense. Because I feel mm. like the MCU, that's what they're doing right now. Um, so, um, I, so I would like it as long as they said, okay, we're going to do movies here and we're going to focus on movies for a little bit in this time frame. And then maybe we'll add in TV shows later on. We'll add an animation, kind of sprinkle it in in... Mm -hmm the intermediaries because one thing I didn't like about the last Jedi was that it picked up right after the force of Awakens. I wish it had had a little bit of time to breathe and kind of set things up for the future. So like you could have like the year or four year gap, uh, like we get in the original trilogy to kind of go, okay, this is why our characters have changed a little bit. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I don't ever want star Wars to be a singular era either, because I think, Right now, the reason I'm still a Star Wars fan is because when I read the stuff I don't like, it's not too much longer until something I will like. And it's mm -hmm. like, if everything was Empire to Return of the Jedi, like the comics are, I'd lose my mind. I'd lose my mind already. But when I'm like, I can read this, and I've got High Republic in two weeks, or... I just, I don't want all movies to only be New Jedi. And I know there's that thing that's going to be hard for the average audience, because I remember when Rogue One came out, one of my friends texted me and goes... How's Darth Vader in this? Isn't he dead? And I'm like, well, yeah, not now. <laughs> but... well, and, and that's why, like, that's why I wonder if they've like said, okay, let's do, let's attempt what Marvel has done because, I mean, unfortunately, that's how every studio has thought about things. Period. Now. Yeah. Uh, is you know they are starting anew. Let's just say, like, when the MCU started they only had Iron Man. 
like that was their plan was hey we're gonna start with iron man and we may get hulk on board if the conversations go well and fortunately they did and then they just kept moving right so just think about it because andrew does say here in the chat i don't mind it being a trilogy as long as they as long wait i don't mind it being a trilogy as long as they plan the whole thing out before they do it and stick with the plan so if the plan is hey this ray story is our iron man it's the first step and then from there you can move forward excuse me Still trying to get used to this setup, and my elbow just hit my <laughs> microphone. Uh, you know, Ray is the starting point, and we move forward there. I am okay with that, and I am not okay with that for the reason that you just brought up, Chris. Star Wars has a timeline that is so much larger than the MCU that you can't say, oh, everything starts with this Ray movie. Mm-hmm. Because you can't just say that. You have to go, oh, well, it's starts with episode one the phantom menace and technically if you want to go further you can but you would have to read all these books and do this and do that and it's absolutely insane things mm-hmm. can get muddled will i enjoy the in the attempt i think i will i think if they want to try something like that just to spice things up with how content is being pushed for star wars i'm all for it But one of the things that I have absolutely been on board with, and Katie has been kind of on the fence with it, and we've talked about it here and there, but like book adaptations. You have so much material that isn't being seen by the general public that has really good stories. I think you need to also touch up on that also. Hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, that's a a much larger debate, but... There are just there. I do think that sometimes instead of maybe pushing for new movies, new shows, it'd be if there's a way to move some of the stuff that's already produced into the mainstream would be amazing. Like Star Wars makes it to the New York Times bestseller almost every time, so it's like congratulations. Yeah. But also, you know, <laughs> didn't you kind of bank on that? I think Mike Chen made a joke about that when they were like, "Hey, congrats on New York Times." He's like, "Yeah, I wrote a Star War. I don't know what you <laughs> thanks." <laughs> um, I think there's something that could be said. It's like Disney Plus could just be, like, "Hey, read some of these books, man. We wrote all these for you. Like, yeah, you don't even need to adapt it if you can find some way to get some people to read more or mm-hmm. watch the material you already made. I mean, how many Star Wars fans don't know about Resistance even, or how like because it was on Disney XD when it was out. Yeah, and what, yeah, true. Thoughts on that show aside, I mean. <laughs> Like, there's just so much. It's like, I don't need a new movie. I haven't even watched everything on Disney Plus. So, that is true. Like, and I'm just now scratching the surface of uh, High Republic Adventures. So, right. Yeah. For sure. There's a lot of good things out there. Um, It would be cool if, like, because Chris, you talked about, like, if there's a way to put stuff on Disney Plus. I mean, They've made all this promotional material and character arc videos for the High Republic. It would be amazing to put those on and like publicize them and go, hey, here's this character that you may not know about. And then at the end, you go, this character is in X, Y, Z, A, B, C. Like, and just kind of try to entice people versus publishing a piece and going, here's all the people you should know. Now you can jump in in the middle. Yeah. 
of the High Republic. <laughs> I, I don't even want to touch that one. Those, I'm not we a marketing person, <laughs> but those strike me not. <laughs> yeah. It's the, uh, apparently it's still very sour in, in Katie's mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, Disney, right. we're available. Just come talk to us. <laughs> well, uh, Katie, is there anything else on the docket for news? Not for news. So we are ready to get to our main topic. Yes. So today's main topic, of course, as the... Uh, title of this podcast says it is the Mortis arc over on uh, or at the Clone Wars series. This is season three, episodes 15, 16, and 17. And I think one of the main reasons why we wanted to recover these, uh, this story is because of what we hope is to come in Ahsoka season two. They mm -hmm. teased the mortis gods as statues in uh the finale of ahsoka and i'll be honest with you going back and watching these episodes i've always said whenever it comes to re-watching clone wars i skip all the way to season four and just move forward <laughs> because of all the silliness and stupidity with C-3PO and, and Jar Jar and all that, I, I can't deal with it. I absolutely cannot deal with it. So I just go to season four and I move forward and I'm like, where is the Mortis arc? Like, what's going on? I'm pretty sure it's here <laughs> somewhere. It's in season three. So I think I have to start with season three, episode 15, the beginning of the Mortis arc, and then move forward with my rewatches from here on out. This is a very fun arc because it brings up the idea of something that is equally as large as the forts itself um, with these Mortis gods. And I've always said this uh, with Katie. I love in just fantasy, uh, the fantasy genre as a whole just the fantastical elements of those stories. And the Mortis gods bring that within Star Wars, kind of like the Bindu in Rebels. Like it's it's kind of like within that same uh genre or or character-wise. That's what I mean. Mm -hmm. So uh Chris, tell me a little bit about your thoughts on your first watch, not this rewatch, but your first thoughts of the 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 thought process of like bringing these mortis gods into the star wars mythology and everything else and then go go upon this rewatch and what you think it means for us moving forward and we can kind of get the discussion going from there i didn't like it <laughs> like <laughs> there was there was stuff that i there's stuff that i appreciated then um and so some of the stuff that bugged me was like i don't like Okay, this is going to be controversial. I don't like when Star Wars wears its influences like too directly. So yeah. I don't like seeing Griffins. I don't like seeing like terribly like super fantasy stuff because there's no doubt. I mean, Mortis fundamentally changes the trajectory of Star Wars as a franchise. Mm -hmm. I don't think it comes. I don't think it comes back from here. And I'm not saying it needs to, but some of this, like. I don't like when it's a clearly Lord of the Rings. I don't like when it's clearly um, 
Seven Samurai. So at first I didn't love some of that stuff that felt too like too fantasy but not Star Wars. But in terms of like symbolism, in terms of actually letting the force be the force, like I that part was amazing. So I always sat like really kind of mixed on this arc. Like Okay. This is the same time that like Fate of the Jedi is getting really fantasy kind of focused. I felt like it misses. The, I initially I felt like it missed the balance too much for me. It was too fantasy, not like space opera. Um, but on now watching it again, I, I I'm appreciating it more. I like this little bit in the middle of like you said, really early, really. I mean, it's season three. Mm-hmm. The the trio gets this weird like. Oh shoot! This war isn't actually the biggest thing in the galaxy. There's actually something so much more fundamental going on that we have no idea about. And I love, I love stuff like that now. I love like this, like oh, you're not even touching the, <laughs> like the. Um, if either of you read Brandon Sanderson, it's kind of the same thing. It's like oh, these small little things. Oh, that's nothing compared to everything going on. Like I'm scared know. to get into Sanderson stuff because I know how large same. you can get. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, but you should. Like that's where I love the fantasy. But I, I've, like I said, I've come, I've come around pretty deeply on it. I think Rebels helped a lot. I think mm-hmm. um, even just giving the series time helped a lot. But I think it also didn't help kind of the context of season three. I was, I'm kind of with you. I liked heroes on both sides. I liked some of the stories, but part of me kind of felt like I'm like, we're we're everywhere. Can we find a through line and kind of move through that for a little bit? <laughs> yeah, I I think I was in this. I think I was in the same boat when I first watched this. Now, granted, this came out in 2011, and I probably did not actually watch it until I went to college, which was 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, "What? What the heck is this? Like, this is not Star Wars." Like, because I hadn't gotten like truly into it with like where you talked about like the inspirations for star wars and everything so i was just like this doesn't look anything like star wars like this whole mysticism like nothing can like there's no being that can take their hand and shut off a lightsaber like that doesn't that doesn't work here um but like as like time's gone on and i get into the influences of star wars like i definitely appreciated it a lot more and I enjoyed the expansion of what could potentially happen um like in the future like what does it mean for like our human people of Star Wars like not the humans but like the regular people of Star Wars the real yeah <laughs> um <laughs> who like have to deal with this stuff I mean like yes there's religion in Star Wars but it never like the force doesn't at at that point when these came out and I was reading it, there was no like force religion. It was just like the Jedi and the Sith kind of thing. So it was definitely a little weird, but like I said, as time has gone on, I appreciated it a lot more. And like, it's been interesting to see. And definitely with Ahsoka, like going back to this, like I find so like most of it was in the first episode, um, which is overlords that I found, like, that was, like, connecting the dots between Ahsoka and everything. Um, But it was, like, dang, like, this is where you can appreciate Filoni as, like, a mastermind with Star Wars, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I 
I am in the same boat with you, Katie, as far as when I watched it. Um, I remember seeing the movie that started off the Clone Wars mm-hmm. series. Um, I went to a midnight showing uh, oh. with my dad and two friends, <laughs> and my dad did not have any of it. He fell asleep. He was like, this is stupid. And me and my friends watched the entire movie. And then I didn't know that it was starting off a series. So I didn't see anything until about 2014, 2015. And then I watched it. Seeing this, I am always the person that when you give me a new shiny thing, I'm like, oh, shit, this is awesome. So when I am seeing people shutting off lightsabers with ease <laughs> and like grabbing lightsabers with their bare hands and shape shifting and things like that, I'm always going to be like, ooh, new shiny thing. I want more of it. Let's see it. So I really dug this from the very beginning. I didn't really understand the repercussions to everything until the middle of this arc, because that's mm-hmm. really when it starts to hit really hard for you. Mm-hmm. Um this whole storyline is with Anakin being the chosen one and what repercussions that have for the future, which is really funny because me and Katie next week are going to be talking about Lords of the Sith, mm. um, which is the Palpatine Darth Vader story. And, and there's some little nuggets in there that I'm just like, oh, that's so cool after after reading yeah. or watching this Mortis arc. Um, but... I really dug this because, again, you have, and I have it here on the side, uh, you get to see uh, Qui-Gon Jinn again. And because of the way the planet is and the Mortis gods, you're like, is that really Mm Qui-Gon Jinn? Or it kind of just plays with your head a little bit. And I actually really, really dig that. Um, But the repercussions of it all, like I was saying, uh, I dig how this propels everything from what the like from what we thought clone wars was about like Mm -hmm. you say chris like oh this is only the ground level this is the very simple political version of star wars and the overall arching story is this is where it starts and you move forward with that Mm -hmm. and uh katie i know you saw my my post about it the other day mm-hmm. when I, I I posted the gif of the first episode of this Mortis arc, and then I posted the picture of Hayden Christensen in Ahsoka, and then I posted a picture of Shadows of the Sith because that was one of the last times, if not the last time, that we see Anakin, and I want to get to that later on in this conversation. But this puts a lot of weight on Anakin's shoulders even though in the middle of this arc, he kind of just like that weight kind of gets lifted off of him really, really quickly Mm -hmm. um, because he learns a lot about his future and then literally almost immediately just forgets it all because of the Mortis gods, Um, which I love and don't love at the same time because it's, it's again, this whole thing about like linear and nonlinear things and knowing your future and all of that. Uh, the fact that he is able to see like his future as Darth Vader. We, I think we had a discussion earlier this year and I can't remember what it was about. And I was like, Oh, well, Anakin has had those moments where he's got to see his future. And I totally forgot that he had his memory wiped. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
but it's just all of these little things in this three episode arc that I really, really dug. You see a futuristic or a future version of Ahsoka in this as mm-hmm. well, kind of teasing what we will eventually get in Rebels, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, because again, had almost completely forgot about it until rewatching it here this week. Um, I really dug this. Uh, Going to the idea of the chosen one, um, there's been a lot of debate over what that means, whether it was Anakin, whether it was the Skywalker name or, you know, all of this stuff. When it pertains to this storyline and with the Mortis gods, we see that the father is really, really adamant near the end of this arc to say, okay, like, one of these days you're going to replace me like you you need to replace me and this is when ahsoka comes into play or as we all thought it was a lot of head cannoning and then tinfoil hats uh on TikTok and twitter and everything else chris do you think and, and this was a big conversation point in like while ahsoka was airing do you think Anakin has replaced the father? So I want to back up a little bit because it's funny because I said initially how much I didn't like this. Mm-hmm. When Master and Apprentice comes out and actually like writes down the actual Chosen One prophecy, I was almost I was almost bummed how like base level it was because it almost makes it seem like the father was like completely missing it. He's reading some other prophecy, like, or when the Last Jedi Visual Dictionary says, "Oh, Anakin's a chosen one because he finishes the Sith." Kylo and Snoke aren't Sith. I'm like, "Oh, is that really? That's it?" Yeah. I love this like now ambiguity that exists. Is the father reading it correctly? Is he reading something else? Does Mm -hmm. he know more? Like, is there's? I I actually kind of like how like. The disconnect, I think, is huge between the father's reading and now the actual, like, canonized version of it. It's like, do you know the Chosen One prophecy? I Well, it just says, like... Well, Chris, go ahead and read read it out. He has not read Master and Apprentice. Not yet. Spoilers. No, it's, it's okay. It's totally fine. Uh, Chris, I, I, it's a, it's an ongoing joke in the GUA. There's many of us that consume so much content on a daily and weekly basis. Whatever we talk about today, I'll probably forget in the next three days. So, well, I am never spoiled on anything. On <laughs> like it's in the book, but it doesn't bear much on the plot. So, okay. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I kind of walked away from the series almost thinking there's like this now, like, okay, so Balin kind of takes the father figure. He thinks he's the best of both worlds. Ahsoka kind of is the daughter. I mean, she has her... I mean, she was dead. And she's only alive because of the daughter. Mm -hmm. And then now there's, like, this beautiful, like, okay, does Sabine or Shin take the place of the sun? Like, I like this series more when it's archetypal and it's conceptual. I almost don't like it. I almost won't like if these three become real people. Like, I kind of like them being, like, conceptual frameworks. And Mm -hmm. maybe maybe real people take these archetypes up. But I I kind of almost... So I don't know. I like... I mean, this this Ahsoka... We're going to be half in the main galaxy with Thrawn kicking the crap out of 
the New Republic. And then I love like there's gonna be this other galaxy where it's like these four people locked in this archetypal struck struggle. Maybe Anakin's there. I almost kind of hope he's not, just to let these new characters have a story. But mm-hmm. I don't know. You I wouldn't be bad without a Skywalker, though, Chris. That's the rules. I know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, if they get Hayden back, I'd be. I'd love to see him. So. And. I think for me, one of the things that I talked about in the finale episode for Ahsoka was, okay, so we see Anakin's Force Ghost in that last episode looking over Sabine and Ahsoka. What if in Shadow of the Sith, like, like the reason he's he like struggles to get Luke off of what we assume is Exegol is because he's like attached to the mortis gods in some way shape or form or maybe that was your argument clay i don't know it was it was it was a mixture of both we've kind of convinced each other that that's how it was but like one big thing that i forgot about the actual mortis arc in clone wars was that this planet that they are on during this entire three episode story is not on any star chart it's like it, it can't be mapped out or anything it's kind of in its own galaxy. Mm-hmm. And, and Obi-Wan so, actually says that. He says, I can't lock down where in the galaxy we are or if we are even in our own galaxy. Mm-hmm. And that's the and as only soon as he said that, I remembered Ahsoka and I was like, oh, they might be on the same planet. But you don't see any floating rocks in Ahsoka. So I'm like, eh, which is maybe not. But the floating <sighs> rocks really... all crash after the father dies. Oh. Actually, I don't hate that idea. <laughs> I was a little bummed how boring Peridia turned out to be. Yeah. But I but like doesn't Rex also or who picks him up? Someone picks him up and it's like you were gone. Rex picks you him were. up. Yeah, Rex because yeah. at the very beginning of the arc, right they're before meeting. everything goes dark, they're actually conversating with Rex about where they're needing to go. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, they're they're like, Oh, you know, we we were only we blacked out for a second. And I think it was Anakin. It was like we were gone for longer than just a second. Or yeah, yeah. I mean, he literally changes day and night. He's cycling through like a week when he's kind of holding them by <laughs> yeah. the force. So yeah. See, I I love that stuff. Actually, I've so much come around since eleven now that I'm like, give me more of this. Like sometimes, like it's hard for me to sometimes see Andor and this in the same franchise, yeah. and I think that may be both on both parties' faults. But like mm-hmm. I'm like. I want a franchise where these both are now because Filoni has been able to take these steps to put it into Rebels, to put it into Ahsoka. Mm-hmm. When it stood too much on its own, I was a little like, ooh. But now that, he, now that we've seen it can interact, oh, give me more. Give me more. <laughs> We're going to go into our second ad break and we'll be right back. So the only other things that I really kind of took Um, that were like parallels between uh, what we see in Ahsoka and this. Um, So we do see the reflection on top of the hill, which ends up, I believe, being the light on the monastery. Yes. But at the end of the arc, the light on the Mortis monastery disappears when the father and the brother both die. Yeah. Mm, True. Which is why. I don't think those lights are the same thing. True. But see, I think they are because I am in the boat. I'm putting on the tinfoil hat and I am saying that Anakin has replaced the Mortis God. 
I know that's a little too like sci-fi fantastical for some people <laughs> when it comes to this franchise. But I think like as soon as I saw the top of the monastery in this arc, I was like, <gasps> it's there. That's like I I, I was like I, I was the freaking Leo, you know, <laughs> gif. I was like, there it is. That's it. That's it. Um and I know that, like, again, all tinfoil hat have no idea what these people are deciding to do in Ahsoka season two or what they're doing for the series. But I think it would be so much fun because, again, it's something kind of out of left field. And Chris, like you were saying, with the idea of having these types of stories in the same realm when you are looking at something like an Andor and Clone Wars, and you're like, how in the world could this be the same story but somehow it is like i like that i really really do because it gives the opportunity for more people to come into the lucasfilm family and tell other stories Mm -hmm. yeah well and that's the thing that's what that's maybe where filoni i think having some of this insight into other stories can say like okay so you're just doing it do your thing do andor's thing if you need a sith lord call me but I the only so I if Anakin's the father that's fine. I think it would be more interesting personally if Ahsoka takes in just maybe more of a all in one trinitarian sort of role where like okay. she's all three. I mean cuz we've seen her come through the dark side. Like all of season 1 is her grappling with the legacy of Anakin, her own maybe darkness that I don't know if we saw enough that I kind of bought it quick enough for Ahsoka. But she's come through. She's been tested. She comes through the other side. But she also just has... I mean, she's literally been revived, as far as we can tell, by the by the daughter. That's why mm-hmm. she's always got more eyes. She's always, like... I get the impression she's always inches from Mortis. She's always inches from the world between worlds. There's nothing special about... Um, shoot, what's it called? Um, where did she fight Balin? Where she got killed um it was something that's so on the nose um, oh it's yeah you know it what was, i'm talking about yeah it's it's almost called like landmark or something just so <laughs> like um but like she like it's not that that planet was connected with mortis in the world of between worlds but she is so Balin essentially kills her and she appears in the world between because she's always like she's Say the one Oh, was that it? Okay. Yes, it is. Yeah. I must be thinking of a different one. But um she always I think she like straddles this line that she's always inches from being knocked into it. So maybe she's the one that kind of takes this cosmic balance. I would be down for that. Um especially like when, when you look at for now, looking at the the timeline of Ahsoka, we don't know it yet. Mm-hmm. We don't we don't know the ending of her story. Mm-hmm. Um, everything that we've seen, as far as like the Mandalorian, and everything they are officially all tied up because, of course, uh, again another tinfoil hat that a lot of people had was when they were in the uh, the Purgle. You know, oh, that shadow in the in in hyperspace was actually Mando and Grogu was there and all of that stuff yeah. from the previous season of Mandalorian. Um, but 
I would I think either one of those would be really really fun because again it you kind of break that barrier of like hey this isn't just a normal sci-fi story it's not mm-hmm. just a you know a space odyssey it, it turns into something something much more grander um i'm still really curious in why balen is so attached mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. got him here because like, like you can say that Anakin, Obi Wan, and Ahsoka, like, just found this place over happenstance. But again, the whole idea of Anakin being the chosen one in the first place, you can't really say it's happenstance. So, how did Balin find the Mortis gods or the idea of the Mortis gods and everything else? Like, I'm more interested in that and how that story is going to move forward. There's something that kills me because he mentions like, oh, it's a children's story is told in the temple. So I love like the Jedi temple is filled with children's stories about gods and getting eaten by the nameless. Those are your two nurseries. <laughs> Those are your two nursery rhymes. You're either gonna see you're either gonna see Space Jesus or you're gonna be turned to dust. Go to sleep. Um, but yeah, what is it about? Is it, like I love it in Rebels when Palpatine's trying to get in. And he's like, oh, of course, of course, Ashoka Tano is here. Of course, um, <laughs> like, what is he influenced from there? Like, is Balin going, like, thinking he can, from the beginning of time, like, unbalance? I don't know. It's, I wish we had more of that because we spend all season with this most, like, this compelling villain that I know nothing about. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And by the time he's looking at Mortis, I'm like, this is bonkers. I love this. What the hell does he want? <laughs> I shouldn't be so confused by the end of the season. Yeah, especially when you look at it. And I know Peridia, like, like they talk about how old it is and how the Night Sisters have been there for ages and everything. But why is the brother statue and why is the father statue intact? But like, and like, you can kind of see it in our background, but the daughter is not there. Yeah. So what yeah. does that have to do? Because the father and the son were both killed. Mm-hmm. like and the daughter was definitely killed so it like to us i think the daughter statue not being there is that means the daughter is in ahsoka so that's what that means but how does the son then come into play because the son was killed so mm-hmm. like because we talked about like potential replacements and the statue looks an awful lot more like sam Witwer. Then, that is so true. Who who so was true. who was the voice of yeah. the son? Oh, I know like Yeah. Uh, so, like one of the things we thought about was like, okay, does Sam Witwer then take over the Balin role, and we just act like the son has taken possession, and yeah. that's why he looks like him? That's fine. I love that. Honestly, I don't have any more thoughts. I just love that. that got me <laughs> I I I love that. And speaking of Balin, I wanted to go ahead and. Because I know, uh, Katie, you put this in our Star Wars Alliance chat, and I, I, I mm-hmm. it's a part of our discussion right here. But Dave Filoni on Ray Stevenson uh, and the future of Balin. He said, obviously, there's a story there. We're in a wait-and-see pattern at this point, but I'm glad the conversation is about Ray and how great he was. And I want to pause right there. A wait-and-see pat- like pattern what does that even mean? Like you've already seen 
the reaction to people and how they love Balin. There is no longer a wait and see pattern. There Balin's is a gotta be there. clearly there is something here, and I understand. Like I'm not saying like, hey, let's get another recast and let's get going because it's not that easy. Like that is very heartless if you think like that. Like, you, correct. You, you do. And Ray have... Stevenson's Ray Stevenson's portrayal is what made the character what it is, point blank. But Correct. if he says, if he says, even right now, hey, we've already recast Balin, it just mm-hmm. seems so crass. I mean, yeah. So I get it. So that's why I think maybe taking and saying, oh, the sons, like, um, like holding Balin. I forget what word I used, but like, if you say the son has taken over Balin, that helps explain some of the differences in the characterization. Mm-hmm. I feel like versus what we get. With yeah, that'll be Reese sad, though. Yeah. So, Chris, I have to ask you, because it was a conversation of ours in the finale of Ahsoka and a a little bit afterward. But there has been a lot of fan castings Mm -hmm. for uh, for Balin uh, recently. Do you have any personal favorites? Is it kind of like a disgusting conversation for you? Like, how do you feel about it? I only kind of know actors you put in front of me at a given time. <laughs> so people are like, this person's being considered for this role. And I'm like, I'll call my brother. I'm like, who do I know this from? And I'll be like, oh, he was so-and-so in this. I was like, oh, I don't like that. <laughs> but, well, from, from what we saw, there was a lot of people who were trying to really get the, like, I guess the goatee down and kind That's of like not the, the, the square yeah. face. And, yeah. and, and it's, the looks, I think nowadays with with makeup artists and and just your teams yeah. like that, that is simple enough. Like you can make somebody look good on camera. That's fine. It's the performance that who, really who gets it down. Embodies him. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't, I don't care who's under it. Put a helmet on him. Like mm-hmm. he can spend season two helmeted, and I'd be like, yeah. Well, and that <laughs> was that was one now. of that was one of the the ways that Katie was saying that you can kind of get this whole the sun taking over him type of thing is like have somebody hooded mm-hmm. enter the monastery and do whatever Balin was supposed to do, and then like a whole puff of smoke or like bright light or whatever takes place, and then boom, you have Sam Witwer there. Yeah as the sun you know just something like that you never see whoever replaced balin and boom you have mm-hmm. sam went were there to to play the role the way he ultimately did here in in the mortis arc to begin with and i'd even love if it's sam what we're playing balin the sun yeah. or not like he's like i pretty much am just doing my impression of ray like i don't mm-hmm. need to be like secretly evil i'm giving this is just like the sun's dead, so if Balin turned, he looks different. He's taken on maybe some power. That's fine, but I think I kind of think Sam could do it. I mean, he spent his whole life of Star Wars kind of doing other people's bits. <laughs> so yeah, it's very Palpatine, true. I mean, the list just goes on forever. <laughs> Balin was his only person, and then, well, yeah. I like for me, I. Right now, if they were to say, hey, we have somebody in line, I would totally be okay with it. Yeah, um, I know there's going to be plenty of people out there that are saying like, oh, it's too soon. Or, hey, let's wait a bit, a oh, little, little bit longer. 
uh, it's always going to be too soon for those people, unfortunately. Ultimately, I think they need, and I know they didn't really make any casting announcements for this show at all whatsoever before season one came out. I think they need to say this person is taking over the role and yeah. just kind of get it out of the way. And I think I think so. the Ahsoka series suffered because we didn't get enough time to see the actors as their characters. Mm-hmm. I spent the mm-hmm. first time watching each episode feeling them out as the rebels character does yep. mary elizabeth winstead feel like hera does natasha feel like sabine then i could rewatch it and be like okay sabine did this ezra did this yeah so if you give us time before it and like let's just be real how much of star wars is just um time plus uh, or you know the it's what is it tragedy plus time equals but like like star wars is um bad story plus time equals acceptance like good yeah. story plus time equals acceptance that is time so with the actors. like you you give people enough time to really absorb the content and people just are like yeah it's, it's, it's it. the best story ever yeah you know? like our kids are gonna just have 11 plus star wars movies and there's not they're the only reason they're gonna know there's a difference is because i have my skywalker saga box and I had to open yep. out their DVDs to get the other ones. Like that's the only reason they're <laughs> gonna feel. Yeah. But. So I have one more question, kind of thing. So the father talks about somebody who can be more like an Anakin, like taking over control of the son and the daughter, or and he talks about the people that can exploit them which is why they're kind of off on their own in isolation. Does Balin wish to be the more that the father talks about, or is he the exploiter? Do y'all think? So correct me if I'm wrong, but the way he spoke to Shin in like when they were on their journey, when, when Thrawn kind of sent them away or whatever, he told her, like, I'm getting ready to end it all. Like, I'm tired of all of this fighting and hubbub and all of this. Like, this will this will definitely end ties or whatever his wording was. I think he is more of the side that is going to exploit. Like, he doesn't really... And, and again, Chris, it goes to the point of not really knowing the character of Valen too well. We know he's very stoic. We know that he has a past, but what kind of past? We are. I think we're all surprised that we didn't get a Order sixty six flashback in this season, but or comic, <laughs> or comic exactly. Um, but like, is he looking for power, or is he legitimately one of these individuals that's like, hey, like these are the only people that can bring ultimate peace to the galaxy? And trying to do it that way upon whatever means necessary, if that means working with Ron or not, like, you know, because he says at some point, does, does he say, I don't remember his exact wording. What Shin's like, what are we going to find over there? And he kind of says power for some, but my, my thought is, I I love this. I'm going to be this guy every time I can. I'm both. He thinks he's above it but he's not going to be able to not exploit it because that's what the darkness, that's the dark side. There is no dark side without exploitation. There is no darkness without power. The, you know, it's every, it all goes back to empire. You know, it's a cheap path to power, but it's going to forever dominate. 
if he's trying to get unless he only talks to the daughter like unless he's like oh i see you over there son get out get get he like harry and the hendersons him like there's no messing with the darkness that doesn't turn into exploitation and power so he wants i think he wants to be something else but he by virtue of messing with the darkness you can't you can't not yeah yeah I think I think I'm in that camp too, where I feel like he's maybe trying to use it for the benefit of all and kind of remake the galaxy the way he thinks it should be and try to be that person that controls both the light and the dark. But like you said, Chris, just that exploitation is gonna come in because when you use the dark side, when you like participate in it, it like that's shit happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um yeah. Yeah, because I think there's something that's I and I don't know if there was like show notes for this or like schedule, but I'll bring in some of the Fate of the Jedi stuff because um, I think it's interesting as the first and in, the first non-Felonian interpretation of Mortis is Fate of the Jedi, and part of what you read is that like the son gets his power from something called the Font of Power, and then the daughter gets her power from the Pool of Knowledge. And I love this idea yeah. because it feels very empire that like the light side is knowledge. The light side is this eternal pool and power is this fountain that keeps bubbling up, but it's not its own source. And I love how it's like taking from the font of power creates the sun. The font of knowledge creates the daughter. And it's actually like Abeloth is created from partaking in both. Like by taking from power and knowledge, she becomes this horrendous like you know, uh, what's the word? Um, Lovecraftian <laughs> tentacle monster. <laughs> like, you don't have both without being corrupted, even though yeah. all she wanted to do was be with them. She wanted to be, like, literally the mother. She saw a hole. <laughs> She's like, I'm the mother then. Mm-hmm. And I think interesting that there's no, like, fourth category. So even, like, her whole journey is, like, a categorical mistake. There's no mother because there's no fourth way of the force. There's balance, there's light, and there's dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a very good pull, because, yeah, that I didn't remember. Um, but it, like, the way Fate of the Jedi goes about it and exploring the mysticism and, like, religious aspects of how the Force works is just so intriguing. Um, and it it was one of the last... Um, it, it was one of the last series done. Mm-hmm. Like, there was other books published after it, but it was the last series done uh, in Legends. Yes. Now, I, I So, as somebody who is not as big of a Star Wars head as the two people that I'm talking to, I had to very quietly type into my keyboard, Fate of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, for people who don't understand what Chris and Katie are talking about, I just did a quick Google search. Um, Fate of the Jedi has a total of nine books. Outcast, Omen, Abyss, Backlash, Allies, Vortex, Conviction, Ascension, and Fate of the Jedi Apocalypse. So um, making these references, Chris, if you can kind of narrow down which books you, or is that as like just the overall story that you were talking about, which books were you referencing there yeah um so fate of the jedi it's it's kind of weird so um there's there's both a central mystery and then there's two kind of side stories that are going on 
There's the mm. Return of the One Sith, which is what he comes out to be the legacy Sith. And then there's also just this political storyline with Admiral Dalla taking over, um, taking over the, I mean, the Galactic Alliance in general. So it's mm-hmm. like, what happens when, I mean, truly, and I, I know this is kind of crass, and I can type this, but saying it feels different. So I have to preface that I know how this sounds. It's like, what if one of the Argentinian Nazis took over, like, America? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so you kind of, I'm trying to remember. I, I feel really bad. There's, like, three books that have, like, actual Sith characters and Jedi characters on the front. Uh, I think it's, like, I'd say it's the Christy Golden. So of the nine books, uh, three yes. authors, three authors take kind of a cycle. It's, like, Book one is A, book two is B, book three is C, and that repeats. Christy Golden's trilogy is kind of the big one if you want into the Force stuff. Because it's got, like, the one Sith and the Jedi teaming up to stop this, like, Cthulian Force monster who's attacking Jedi and Sith. While Luke is learning from other Force religions, like the Keldor, and he's learning all these new Force techniques. So, like, Mm -hmm. in Christy Golden's books... Period. If you've read Dark Disciple, you already know this. I really, really, really like her Star Wars stuff. I'm yeah. kind of bummed she hasn't. No, yeah, she was Dark Disciple, right? She adapted it. Yes. She, did she do Inferno Squad as well? Like everything um, she's done is good. Uh, I can tell you in a second. <laughs> but yeah, the Christy Golden trilogy. That's the one. You're gonna be lost though. I unlike High Republic. <laughs> Old legend series called themselves legend series. They called themselves a, a series. You had to read them. You were going to be lost if you didn't, even though they had different focuses, even though they had like specific POVs. You, I, I hate to say it because I know it sounds, we've, we've been so afraid of saying it's a series. I think you have to read the series. If you wanted to just read the Christy Golden ones and hope the context clues fill you in, you're going to get a lot of really good stuff. Because Vistara Kai is one of my favorite Legends characters. R.I.P. So what happened to her in Crucible, which was the worst character assassination on the history of Legends, maybe? Asterisk? Yeah. But <laughs> Christy Golden. That's the one. Those are the ones. Yeah. Okay. Christy Golden did write Dark Disciple, and she did also write Battlefront 2 Inferno okay. Squad. She... Um, one of the last series was for Legends was supposed to be focused on Jaina Solo fell yeah. and Jagged fell called Sword of the Jedi, but that got canceled because of the Disney buyout. Yeah, and the Dawn of the Jedi series that was supposed to spin out of the first one. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh. kind of circling back over here, um, Katie. Do you have anything else? Because I know that you had some last bits with this Mortis God arc. Is there anything else that uh, we haven't covered yet? That was really about it. Most of the parallels, like I said, were in like what you needed to look for for Soga. I feel like are in uh, the Overlords episode for uh, the Mortis arc, uh, which is again season three, episode fifteen. Um, other than that, like I feel like looking back at it as I watch it over and over again, this is just one of the best arcs overall. And um, I like seeing our main trio get to work together because I feel like as the series continues to grow, the trio doesn't get to work together as Mm -hmm. often as we'd like. And even Anakin and Ahsoka end up split um, several times over. So it's just a really fun arc. Um, I think when Nathan and I ranked 
uh, the Clone Wars arcs. This was both in our top five. Um, but yeah, it's just a really good piece of work. There's a lot of good um, like guest stars. Obviously, Liam Neeson returns as Qui-Gon Jinn. You have Sam Witwer, who's amazing as always. And then um, the father and the daughter, which are... Um, the daughter is Adrian yeah. Wilkinson, who did yes. Maris Brood in Force Unleashed. Mm -hmm. Father, I couldn't tell you. I, I um, couldn't recognize the father's voice. Uh, yeah, I had him. And then Brad, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, behind the scenes. There it is. Come on, Wikipedia. You can do better than this. Um, Lloyd, Lloyd Shear. Yeah. Share, share. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, but it's just some really great voice acting. And really the directing in uh, this arc is very well done overall. Um, if, where's my scroll bar? The director for this was Stuart Lee. And I believe he directs the whole... He, the director for the first episode of Stuart Lee, and I believe he directs the whole of. No, he doesn't. Brian Kalen O'Connell did the second episode, and um, Stuart Lee did the third. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I just feel like the, the directing really flows incredibly well. Um, like the shot where uh, Obi Wan sees Qui Gon, and then Ahsoka sees her older self. Mm -hmm. Like that whole sequence um, is just so well filmed, and like the circling around the cave. Oh, I loved it. And I love how I love who everyone sees: Anakin seeing Shmi, Obi Wan seeing Qui Gon, mm -hmm. Ahsoka seeing herself. It's a really fascinating study of like who is the person that's both the best and worst person for this person to see right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you're Clay. You're talking about like the way that this changes the tra trajectory of the characters through the series. I think like I even said a little bit with Ahsoka, like wondering what's this, what's her concern? Like Anakin's a different dude. She left him before all of this. Her concern is that when she was on Mortis, her older, longer Lekud self said, "Hey, you stick with this guy, you're in deep trouble." You're going to yeah. go down this path of darkness. And I wonder if after she finds out who he is in Rebels, she goes, oh, crap. Did I jump off? Did, was I off ship in time? Or did I miss this? Like, I think it's, I love how it doesn't, it changes Anakin and Obi-Wan. Or it doesn't totally change Anakin. But the arc changes Obi-Wan immediately. I think Ahsoka we're seeing the long term change. Mm -hmm. Like she's fifteen. She's not thinking about what happens there. She's thinking about the next war, the next yeah. battle. Mm -hmm. But then later I wonder if she's like, Oh, wait. And she sees Morai and she's just like, I oh, okay. <laughs> and I, I think that's when you really have to look at the that one episode with uh the force vision or like whatever happened in that ocean mm -hmm. um you know her having all of this angst and everything about like how she's going to be a uh, a good master to sabine and all of these other things like why is all this weight on her shoulders and this small little nugget in this arc kind of gives you everything and it's mm -hmm. like oh crap that's really really cool 
Yeah, it, it'd be, I would love, you remember when Obi-Wan opened originally and they put like clips from the movies as like the previous yeah. Leon? I would love if like yeah. Ahsoka could have had some Clone Wars stuff to kind of just prep. Yeah, that's what we talked about in like the, the, um, like the preview for Ahsoka and I really wanted that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But man, I think looking back now, these are such good episodes, I think. I almost start to look at other, like, like the Onderon arc. I'm like, this is good. I love Sagaria. I want Mortis. Give me more of the Mortis stuff. And not just because it's trim. It's trim. I mean, three episodes is actually probably the ideal Clone Wars length. I felt like the yeah. four episode arcs became, like, introductory episode, the good second episode, the third episode because it had to be four episodes long. And I'm like, this is, ugh, this one could have been trimmed. And then there's the conclusion. This one doesn't have that. It just moves. Yeah, <laughs> maybe a little too brisk, but it's brisk. <laughs> no, yeah, I guess I just out loud that there's no satisfying me. Three's too short, four's too long. You can't win. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're all picky Star Wars fans, don't yeah. I? <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't be Star Star Wars fans. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that is it for our discussion unless you got guys have any last little tidbits for the mortis arc no i think that's it for me chris do you have anything if not thank you for being here we always oh, appreciate when you're me. here no yeah. it's good to it was good to not, i'm so like high republic all the time that it was nice to talk about something else <laughs> so Oh, and Katie, just want you to know, I have finished the Eye of Darkness. Did you? Finally, yes. Oh. And I have, I, I finished the Eye of Darkness, and I have read Lords of the Sith like or listened to it like four times because of just how my work does and me <laughs> driving all the time. Excellent story. I can't wait to talk about it next thank, week. Okay, thank you for saying that. I know I'm not on this episode, yeah. but it's it's either underrated or just kind of. Paul Kemp has some maybe like problems writing women and not maybe he does absolutely but like it's good it's yes <laughs> I I have like one or two qualms with it and oh, we'll yeah, get there when we, when we talk about it but it it has definitely been a surprise uh read for sure and that's why I'm just like because uh, you know small little uh insider for GUA for patrons we're gonna be covering Percy Jackson. And that mm-hmm. could have been on my reading list. And I was like, I have a whole month and a half to read that. And I'll just read <laughs> Lords of the Sith another five times before we cover it. Um, and we're not even talking about that one for a week and a half. <laughs> Is it really a week and a half? I thought it was next week. Well, yeah, but like we're so we're moving back to Wednesdays next week. So we're talking about it December 6th. <laughs> oh, snap. <laughs> I was like, I gotta get this in. I gotta get this in. Oh, that's funny. Get one more listen in. I know for real. Um, but uh, I just want to say anybody who hasn't for some reason watched this arc, watch it. I think it holds a lot to bear, like me and Chris were saying, for uh, what Star Wars means as a whole, what it means for future stories for these characters. Uh, I think it's very important to the mythos. Um, and hopefully very important to what we will eventually see as Ahsoka season two, which technically hasn't even been greenlit yet. So we'll see how all that so goes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but of course, you can always find me at fanboyclay on Twitter. 
all of the other uh, social medias, if you will. Uh, and hopefully, now that I am settled here in the new apartment, got the new job and everything, I can start streaming again. You can find me on twitch.tv slash fanboyclay10, fanboyclay10. Uh, Chris, uh, tell everybody uh, what you're up to, uh, anything uh, recent, and of course, where they can follow you. Yeah, so I'm finishing out the Legendary Adventures at Minoc Manor. I have, oh, shoot. I technically have 11 novels because I haven't finished Millennium Falcon, which I love Luceno, but I cannot. It's so... Oh, right so about. that was such drag. It's, <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, Fate of the Jedi, Mercy Kill, and The Crucible, my least favorite Star Wars book ever. I don't think anything's ever going to be worse than that. Um, so sorry. I, admittedly, though, I cried reading that one because I didn't read it for a couple of years. Okay. But I cried reading that one because I was like, this is the end to my Legends trio. Like, what am I going to do? I just, I, I, I yeah. But I, I, I was, I was almost the, never mind. I'm, I can't, I'll save it for the article. <laughs> um, we have, so we were in discussion now what happens after I'm done with the novels. Um, I've been on a real Legends comics kick. So, could be there um but yeah as long as legendary adventures i'll do like novel reviews um won't be anything to living force at this rate so yeah you know maybe if um the if the alliance needs a guest on a power rangers cast there's possibilities there hey <laughs> yeah uh we are covering actually today uh, and and I can uh, send you a, shoot you a message, but we're still covering Cosmic Fury. We're okay. wanting to kind of stretch it out throughout the end of the year because we 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 detest the writing of older Power Rangers, and we're just trying to stay away from it as much as possible. <laughs> we love Power Rangers, but my God, the stories are so bad. Um, but uh, we're we're finishing up Cosmic Fury. And we're even, of course, covering the the huge story arc with Melissa Flores uh, in in the main comic series right okay, now, and Ranger yeah. Academy. So, we we would love to have you on. I'll, I'll be on for Darkest Hour. I don't know how much I have to say about Ranger Academy, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> but cool. But yeah, that's that's all. I'm not doing much. So mostly, you'll want to follow me at Minoc Manor on um, Twitter. My personal account is I don't. A lot of it's on the minor, on the manor. So cool, Katie. Y'all can find me on most social media platforms. It is at Slice of Katie. This show you can find on Twitter. It is at Star Wars Alliance without the A and the wars. Very important. Don't forget it. Um, next up for this show, remember we will be back live next Wednesday, so that's December sixth. Um, time still TVD. Clay and I have to discuss that. Um, but that's when you can expect us back. We will be talking our review for Paul S. Kemp's Lords of the Sith, um, which is, again, one of the earlier canon books. Uh, but it is, I like, most people I talk to have all agreed it's not one to be missed. Like, it's a really good story about Palpatine um, and uh, Vader as he gets started. So, uh, yeah, that's what you can expect. And then for the rest of December, we will be covering the Jedi Academy trilogy uh, from Legends. <laughs> can i just can i just um the diversity alliance is the most unfortunately named group of villains that you could have in a discussion in 2023 
Like, every time yeah. I remember the Diversity Alliance, I'm like, oh, oh, can we edit that? Is there a different name? <laughs> yes. But. Um, but, yeah, we'll be talking about those. And it, it's been a long time since I read those, too. So uh, I'm excited for them because I remember the Sun Crusher. I don't know where Clay just went. I hope everything's Bye. okay. Uh, bye, Clay. Um, but yes, uh, I hope everyone has a great day or night, whatever time of day you are listening or watching. And we will see y'all next time. May the force be with you.